Okay, the recorder is now recording and is the sound coming out the right hole, as they say. All the holes are in the right place, which is always a good start. And you're either snoring or drinking coffee, one or the other. Uh, oh, oh, wait. Oh, my God, Scotty, I had this terrible nightmare. Terrible, terrible nightmare. Well, that we had to do a podcast. And that I was woefully unprepared, but I did it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And you did it anyway for 335 episodes. (laughs) It's my recurring nightmare, which is the worst nightmare of it being on the production end or the receiving end. It's one of those things that just occasionally, just occasionally we, uh, uh, we do an episode that's good enough to make you feel there is hope. Yeah. And then we go and shag, shag it up straight away. Yeah. Well, I hear the muffled sounds of barking the failure dog. Uh, he started barking about a minute before you called. I thought it must be podcast time. Um, because in, in fairness, though, to him, he, he's no idea about the podcast. It's it's 5 p.m. here and 5 p.m. is food time for Barky. And he somehow just knows that it's 5 p.m. every day and starts barking until you feed him. Well, maybe you should consider feeding him before we record. Mm, that will get done. That's downstairs. I'm upstairs. That's a separate part of the house. Okay. I All could right. have gone down there and fed him, but then he'd have been fed early. Then he'll be hungry earlier in the morning. Hmm. Well, Scotty, I'm concerned that this that this riveting recounting of your dog's life in, in East Bollockshire may not be the thing that people came here for. Maybe they're looking for helpful helpful ticks, tips and techniques or something. Trips and ticks, ticks and trips. Well, they will be seriously disappointed then, won't they? No, Scotty can... can... <laughs> All right, John. Okay, okay, John, John, John. Okay, uh, I, I, I'm sensing here that you are trying to be professional and uh, lead us into the fact that you have something to say this week about something you have done, achieved, learnt, understood, or somehow just generally made the world a better place with. Well, that's a lot of setup. This was a little simpler thing, but, you know... For, for no other reason to have some recording of it somewhere. Uh, uh, you know, as as you know, when you work on a, on a team and you're doing lots of A-B tests, some of the things that are in your test, you know, may change the, the navigation patterns or something about the behavior of the app, and it may interact in ways with other people's tests or, or you know, or just the general function of the app in ways that you might not have considered until you actually do all the integration testing and you make sure that you are well aware of all the other tests that are going on there. And um, uh, I, as always, kind of have to be careful about specific details, but I can make it general enough. And this one has to do with navigation and tab-based apps um, because, you know, many, many apps uh, have tabs. You know, Facebook is a good example. Netflix is a good example. Twitter is a good example. And the, the nice thing about tab-based applications is that you can, of course, separate, you know, you can have different sections for, for different purposes. Um, but the other problem with tab-based applications is that their tab spaces is a premium um, and, it's at some point when you launch the app, you have to consider, well, which tab do you show? And usually there's a concept of a home tab. And then, you know, it, it in some ways kind of goes in, in, in ascending order or descending order from, from leading to trailing edge. Although that's not necessarily the case. You really, you know, but but no matter what, you know, you will launch an application. So for, for Facebook, that's the that's the feed. For Netflix, it's the what we call the Lolomo, the list of list of movies, um, which is the grid-based interface that, that for which we're, we're, we're known. Um, and, you know, any different uh, view controller that's within a tab view controller can have its own navigation stack. And 
generally speaking, you know, it, it then becomes possible to, to, to push, you know, many other view controllers on the navigation stack, and then you can double tap on a tab, and it will bring you back to home, and you, there's a kind of, it's a well-known interface. Um, but just because you can have a push things on a navigation stack doesn't mean you necessarily do that in any one particular tab, let alone the one that's most most popular, you know, most often used. And if you need to present something, you know, a very typical master detail interface type of thing is to be able to to you know put something on top. And that's indeed the case with the Netflix app. You know, you have a grid of of, of titles, and you tap on one, and up comes what we call the details <coughs> details page or display page. Um, and then that's modal, so it covers the screen. You, you know, you kind of look at what you need to look at there, and you know, and then you dismiss it, and then you're back to where you started. So, on a project that I'm working on, it's going to uh, use some. It's going to use a navigation stack, and the fact that you can then navigate away from from you know, the, let's call it the home, you know, the, the the home view controller, the root view controller of one of those tabs. Um, nothing wrong with that. Perfect. Great. What? Grand and glorious, all the testing is being done, and that's wonderful. Here's where things got a little bit tricky. There are some tests that will put some things uh, on top of the navigation bar to cover what is expected to be on there. Some of them are, are tutorial-related, some are functional-related, and uh, the timing and the presentation of those is, is such that if you're not careful to make sure that nothing else has been pushed on the navigation stack, it may be a you know, covering or providing context when when you're expecting something else to be below it, and in fact, it wasn't the case, and that 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 showed up in in, in testing this week. So, you know, no problem. There are ways of solving that. Um, and I, I but I I had to admit, that, as is often the case in programming, you know, you you say I know this is possible. I don't remember exactly how to do it. So, of course, you just go searching through docs and saying, how do you know, you know, and you formulate your questions like, how do you know? Yeah, I, I actually started right away with, with navigation controller delegate because there is one. There's always a delegate for that, at least. Um, yeah, there always is a delegation to that for that. And so that's great. So I was able to do it and then figure out how to hook it off. Everything seems to be great, grand, and glorious. Um, and so that was helpful. So this is a friendly neighborhood reminder that uh, if you care about this this case where you know, uh, make sure you implement UI navigation uh, delegate, and that's that that solved the problem for me. Except for that, one of the particular presentations had you know a fairly a fairly nice, well, fairly complicated and very nice animation for showing and hiding things. And as often the case with with things that have an animation, you you present a view controller, for instance, you have the option to navigate, you know, to, to have animation. You can control the animation. The default is usually kind of a third of a second, uh, and there's a completion block so that you can you know do things when 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 at the at the right time when the when the animation is completed for example and it, it depending on what the animation does you you uh, what i found in this particular case is that uh the, knowing that the, that something was being pushed on the on the navigation uh stack I would basically say, hey, don't even try and start that animation if that's the case. And and if if one is already in flight, or you would make sure you just hide it right away. Um, but sometimes, you know, stopping an animation in flight or making sure that 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 the the method that you choose to kind of 
undo what was done or prevent it from being happened, there may be side effects again. And that's where, you know, you kind of have to throw it back to the person saying, here's the general problem. Here's a PR that that kind of hooks in when we know that that's that the condition that you want to guard against or to take into account is taking a place. But I don't know all the intricacies of your work. So make sure you please kind of do that. And I did that. And that is happening. Uh, one of my colleagues, sadly, is, is out sick with COVID. Um, he's feeling better. It will all work out. The sun will shine. But that's my my morning report on uh, something that I was working on yesterday. Was that riveting, Scotty? Well, there we are. That, you said you said that you, just a little thing, whereas you, uh, I guess, in the context is a little thing, but there's a lot of detail in there. There is. And uh, once again, I mean, I can have my stock answer. Software development's quite hard. Uh, go ahead. Give me your stock answer. I'm sorry, may I, I misheard? What my, you... my stock answer was software development is quite hard. Oh, right, yes. Uh, well, but no. you were too busy gulping coffee to hear that. <laughs> exactly. No, I was. I, no, I was basically, you know, stealing myself for the eventual insults that would be coming forward, if not now, you know, eventually in, in the future. Uh, no, your, your software development is not hard. User interface and user experience design is hard, um, and and that's why we leave it to the professionals and not <laughs> not the engineers. Yeah, so that, that that's quite a good link into actually something that's gone on this week. Remember I, I said a little while ago that we'd asked someone to take a look at MoneyWell from a UI, UX mm-hmm. perspective. Um, so this person is not necessarily a professional UI, UX person. It's something they're interested in and maybe looking to get into. You know, they have recently done a computer science master's, which, you know, covered some UI, UX stuff. Now, I'm not sure what the UI, UX you know, courses in in colleges are teaching right now, but you know, you have to assume you know there's some basic fundamentals and principles in there somewhere. So this wasn't you know this wasn't necessarily someone who's a guru, but it was not not someone who's totally uneducated to the the principles at the same time, shall we say? And we just asked them to um, to use our app uh, as though they were a user, but a, but a dedicated user who really wanted to make it work, as opposed to someone who downloaded it, gave it five seconds, and said, "I don't know what I'm doing here," and moved on. So someone someone who was like quite desperate to get the app to work, as opposed to just just wander off. So do that and and just write a report on it. Just you know, tell us about your experience. And you know, the report is full of the normal things. Well, I tried this and it didn't work, and you know that this this button didn't make sense or this text I couldn't quite do it or yeah we're based in Britain you know there's a lot of Americanisms and you know I wasn't quite sure what that meant and and all that's good valuable information but you know uh, the main thing that come out of it and um, uh, he and and this is a reflection on us not on this person in any way at all and, and didn't surprise us that it came out of it but it was reaffirming to us is in all his attempting to use it he didn't recognize which was the most important screen in the app and therefore didn't use the most important screen in the app and therefore lots of the rest of the features of the app just weren't available or didn't work. Mm. And the whole thing was fairly not how the app was designed to work. So we, as I've always said, we are a budgeting app and you you put transactions into the application simply for the purpose of monitoring how well your budget is going, not for the purposes of necessarily recording transactions, which is the other way financial apps work. But this screen, um, the the screen that uh, he sort of, uh, I'm not going to say failed to find, saw and sort of didn't realize was needed, if you might want to say, so therefore didn't really use, uh, was the suspending plan. 
um, which is the whole point, which is actually the budget within our budgeting app. So what I can say is after this dedicated user determined to make our app work, used our app for a, um, a, a quite a lot of hours trying to play with things, they totally and utterly failed to identify the key aspect of the app and how it worked in its necessity and get it set up in order to make the app usable, which is a um, pretty damning uh, statement on our user experience and something that doesn't surprise us. Now, this is not our app design. We are still with the original design um, uh, that's in there. And this sort of, we thought would be the case, but equally our current historical data, the way we, the support requests we get suggests that even though we are marketing as a budgeting app, we're saying we're a budgeting app, the majority of our users are probably users, using us as a transaction recording app so yeah so that's been very useful to us and now obviously we're beginning to say well how do you stop that from from happening now this screen is reasonably complex it's you know um one of the ideas behind money well is not that you just say oh um i'm going to spend 200 dollars a month on automobile expenses because i you know i i fill up with gas once a week or i um you know and i uh, have some repairs once a year and i get tires every two years and you know that four adds up to this per month you know as a figure uh it actually expects you to set up a spending plan where you say i probably use about 30 dollars of gas a week or you know 300 dollars now with the current prices probably um you know, I do buy tires once every two years. They're a hundred bucks each. That's four hundred bucks every two years, and you know, and and it and is then designed to calculate, you know, how much of your weekly paycheck or monthly paycheck should you be putting aside so that you know, in two years' time, you have enough money for tires in your budget and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, without that necessary, it is so it is quite a complicated screen. Um, it's obviously going to need redesigning because he did look. It's not like he didn't look at it. He did see it, but it wasn't. It wasn't firstly obvious that it was important and secondly it obviously wasn't obvious uh, that you needed to do something with it and thirdly it obviously wasn't obvious what to do with it even if you could because he didn't really do um a- anything with it so you know we're, we're having to tackle that now we could just rewrite the whole thing the whole screen which is probably the end goal but you know it's the core of the app there's a lot of work in there there's a lot of um a lot of math a lot of calculations going on in there uh, a lot of stuff setting things up you know so we have to you know we're quite interested in this we've been sort of like working on well how do we how do we get from where we are now to a brand new um uh, spending plan uh screen that walks you through it that helps you through it makes it more clear you know and, and have stages on the way as we go through there um so yes yeah, so we were saying about ui and, and ux to make things work is is interesting now we're going to start by actually just trying to make sure that when people switch to that tab because he obviously switched to that tab which on a tab well firstly is the position of the tab correct um you know but you know should there be some sort of you know pop-up instruction should there be a wizard should there be a video whatever at least at least give people a you know an idea of hey this is it you have just found the place that you've come here for let us let us help you through this and guide you through this um yeah, so basically what I'm saying right now is the uh, the UX, the user experience in our app is um, is poor, um, and we need to make it better. <laughs> well, gosh, Scotty, we, we are in danger of actually opening up a, a, a you know, important discussion, and a couple of things come to mind. Is one, it's like, yep, this stuff is really hard, and it kind of doesn't matter whether you have an indie product or, or a product of on, on the scale of Netflix or, or, or Facebook, you know, um, the problems are, are somewhat still the same in that 
you know, if your app just does one thing and one thing only and you never have to have a tapped interface and you really only have one screen, then um, it's a, things are a lot easier, so to speak. And, you know, it basically succeeds or fails on, on its ability to do that one thing. Um, if it has to do, if it does many things and wants to do many things over time and also has to, you know, satisfy a lot of different uh, constituencies, that's when things become very, very important. And also, if it's a, a kind of a global scale one, what's super important to one group of people may be less so than, than others. And that's that's the rub. And while I'm listening to it, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm having flashbacks to having worked on Memory Miner, which has similar things, desktop map, Mac app, which has multiple tabs. There's a singular, you know, tag. There is the first tab you see. And one of the best bits of advice I ever got was, was at NS Conference a million years ago. And, and that was just basically to put a, you know, a sample library. And then, and then I went and with the, you know, Marcello from Wrinkly P kind of get, created a landing page. And I suspect that something similar exists for, for money well, but probably needs to, to, to be updated. And I'm wondering, uh, it, it is an American thing, I think, to have super complicated taxes and a tax system that is purposely complicated so that people who, who want to, to have specific tax breaks can purchase them for they and their cohorts. And and little people are basically left with having to, to do it. So it is a... a... Oh, this is, this is an interesting thing because actually every year around January time, yeah, we get, we get a whole bunch of people who buy the app to do their taxes, and, right. and we have to sit and we're a budgeting app, not right. a transaction recording app. We have no concept of taxes at all, other than you can set up a savings plan towards your taxes. Um, but it's, we're not, you know, we don't calculate taxes, we don't understand taxes. It's not what we're there for. And so, yeah, then we do a lot of support on why can't I calculate my tax? Because right. you've bought a budgeting app, not a tax app. Right. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and, and so yeah, so it's all this understanding. So right from the get go, if people are even buying the app, it's we're obviously doing something wrong. And and yo, it's equally it's what you present um, when you first open Money Well. The first thing it asks you to do when you set up a, a, a new budget is is to connect to a bank account. Um, and so yeah, which is American based. So if you're not in America, this particular system that Money Well currently uses doesn't work. So that's outside of America, most people will give up straight away. Uh, but it connects to your bank account, and then it imports a bunch of transactions. And the first screen you see when you go into money whatever time is a list of transactions um, that have been imported from your bank account or you've done through FX or whatever else. So it's not surprising that people think it's a transaction-based recording system because it's the first thing that you show them. It's the first thing that you ask them to do. It's the most prominent data. You know, it's, you know, what would happen if the first thing people saw was you know, an, an empty page saying, we need to set up your spending plan. Suddenly, ooh, what's this spending plan malarkey? It might be something as, you know, the current screen is complicated, but if it was front and center saying, this is the one you've got to deal with, um, you know, yes, we would still lose people because they wouldn't be able to work out how to do it, and there needs to probably be some video training and all the rest of it in there. But at least people would say, oh, spending plan, that sounds interesting, or, oh, that's what I come for, as opposed to, oh, how am I importing all my transactions? You know, you're immediately when you have an app that wants to deal with the future the first thing we're asking to do people to do is deal with the past right it's like that should be a big indicator straight away that we're doing something wrong right but to 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 finish what i was trying to say there scotty is that uh this stuff that's a great way of putting it (laughs) you know you have to to figure out that you have to go sifting through the future to uh, the past to be able to to get an idea of where you got how you got to where you are and where you want to go which i I see where it's from knowing understanding a little bit of the history of it you know why it was written and so forth but what i was saying is that 
the the one of the the better experiences, and I'm kind of surprised that I say that because people hate paying taxes; they really do. Uh, but I have been uh, you know using you know TurboTax for a million years, and it's an online you know tax preparation software. It's it's it, it's and it works surprisingly well. And I think part of the reason why it works well is because once you get going with it, it makes it a lot easier the next time. Because usually from year to year, unless you completely change your universe, like you retire or, or you know, you switch jobs or, or, or whatever, it's kind of the same. It's just kind of like, okay, you know, what, let's update the transactions. But the main thing that I find for it is that when you get started, even though it's dealing with financial transactions, it never presents anything to you that looks like a spreadsheet or d- deals with that. It's all about interview. I mean, I, I suspect they, they, they must really spend a lot of time and money and effort on, on trying to basically have this mechanism that asks you questions and based on your questions that it kind of pushes you off to the, the, the next thing, but also kind of keeps your eye, eyes on the prize. You know, in the case of taxes, it's like, do you owe money or you're getting money? And then that almost becomes a game because the more, once you start seeing you owe money, like, oh my gosh, what can I do to owe less? Or once you start seeing that you've got a, a, a refund, it's like, oh, can I get more? And so th- there's always that first kind of, uh, goal at the end that it tries to get you to. And, and, and I think it does it extremely well. I really do. Um, and so I think that one would have a, a far worse model to, to, to get to. And I think that that in the end is probably the, the best solution for these types of apps where you've got a, a complicated process. And, and if you, if you can build kind of behind the scenes wizards of sorts, things that will import lots of transactions and, and, and will ask you the pivot questions to be able to say, you know, are you operating a business or, did you have some type of loss or, or whatever that changes the situation? Um, it, it takes you on a, a narrative arc and, and, and does it. And, and I, th- I can't help but think that, that Moneywell has that aspect to it, even though that the people that have stuck with it all, these, all this way are people who probably have very fixed ways of using it um, because, and, and they found something about Moneywell that, that either really worked the way they wanted to or there's a certain inertia. That's the other thing I said. It's like once you get financial data or data of any kind that people care about in an app, then that creates a switching cost. And so if at all possible, um, people want to do it. And then you've got the other problem. I'm telling you all the stuff that you already know. You're welcome. <laughs> that <laughs> that you know, you've got. Just, just, send, just send me the invoice. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> I'll send you exactly an invoice for what it's worth. So, so, but, but it's a fascinating thing to think about. So, but I, you know, my question, I guess, back to you is like, now that you've had this experience of having somebody in there, does that the it it probably didn't tell you anything that you didn't know, but is it changing the outcome? Is it is it making you think, ah, oh, I need to find some really great illustrators or some really great storytellers or something that can build this type of of interface, which then kind of in, in that way, and this is my final point, is that if if you launch the app and there is some type of narrator and think, oh, or Greek, you know, it starts to unfold like a Greek tragedy. The chorus will come on the screen to give you the, the lesson and go away while the, the main narrator will, will ask you questions or sing to you. At that point, you know, the, the, the user doesn't navigate. The user is led, in which case it will go from one mode to another without people ever having to consciously think that they have to do that. That makes sense what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's lots of things you've said there that um, you know are really valid and come on. I mean, you've, I mean you know, what Moneywell is 
one of the things that goes against it and one of the things that works for it is it's a high investment app. Um, you to get money well working for you, you have to put some serious time into it initially, at least initially. Once you put the time into it, it can become like ticking over. Probably very similar to your, you know, the first year you use TurboTax, you have to stick absolutely mm-hmm. everything in, and it's a big investment. Now, one of the reasons, you know, you, you might next year find a better program than, than, than TurboTax, but you probably, unless it's really, really, really mm-hmm. a lot better, don't want to make that initial investment again. So they have the advantage that, yes, you have to persuade people to make the initial investment, uh, which is difficult because everyone knows our attention span is is virtually zero and the amount of effort people want to things is zero. Everyone downloads a tax app thinking, I'll download the tax app, taxes will be done. <laughs> That's it. Um, the same probably with budgeting. Uh, but once you can persuade people into that, then you're probably going to keep them, assuming they're going to do budgeting. Now, the tax has the advantage. Everyone has to do taxes. Not everyone has to do budgeting. So you have to sell them on the benefits of budgeting still all the time. So that getting people, guiding through people through that initial investment is really important. Um, if they don't even discover the initial investment and then the initial investment is confusing when they get there, that's just not going to work. So I guess just answering one of your other questions, you know, um, yeah, as it told us anything we didn't know, I, I guess that the, the blunt answer is no. But what it has done is, I guess we would, I would more say it's confirmed what we suspected, because it's come from a place of, you know, this person wasn't led down this path, this person wasn't encouraged into this path. However, they were told things like, we are a budgeting application, and we would like you to use this like someone who would like to put a budget together going forward. And yet they still sort of like just assume that you know, because there were buckets and because there was, you know, things you can allocate to that they they found the meat of the software even though they hadn't. So I guess it confirms stuff. What are we going to do about it is more interesting. One of the problems we have with MoneyWell is, you know, you know what everyone would love to do is start down, going you know, down the, the Apple line of saying, start replacing little bits of the app one little bit of a time. And as you do that, replace that with Swift, replace it with Swift UI, you know, replace it with with something else. and um, uh, and, yeah, and just you know, so we could start working on that bit of the application, and over the next six to twelve months, update that bit. Uh, you know, and we would probably are going to look at it that way. But we have one of the problems that it's Moneywell as an old application, you know, twelve years old, thirteen years old. It's very intertwined. Taking one piece out and putting a new replacement in is not easy. And you know, it's it's like saying remove those eight uh, sticks of spaghetti from the pile hmm. and um, make sure the pile looks the same afterwards um, and put them back in. So, yeah, so we have to work out how to do that. And, you know, it's it's almost a case of, you know, do we, do we begin to actually almost develop a, a, a new app inside the old app? And... So when you move into a certain part of the app, you, you're actually almost switched to, even though you might be using the same data underneath, yeah, you've switched to a new data layer, a new UI layer for that particular screen, and, and it's totally disconnected. And we have to, over time, yes, the first one we do, we'll have to make the investment of building whatever the new layer needs to be. But then as we go forward, every time we replace a screen, we can just tack it into uh, this, the, you know, the, the new the new architecture. But then, as always... How mucky does that get as you have to make it linked to the old architecture? 
um, you know, the spaghetti. So, yeah, there's a lot of decision-making to be made there, a lot of things to think about um, as we go forward, which we will do. And, and it's become very obvious, just to make this just topical, just for a moment, that, um, you know, I think Apple, for the possibly the first time, um, you know, of this month, this time at WWDC, have stopped saying, we have a whole range of technologies for you to use. We have Objective-C, we have Swift, we have this, you know, we have whatever. Um, you know, they have basically pretty clearly said last week that, you know, the future is Swift and Swift UI, and that's where it's all going. Um, you know, and that doesn't mean they're getting rid of AppKit or UIKit in the next short term, but that's definitely, you know, they they we're three years into Swift UI. We're was it five years into Swift, six years into Swift, eight years into Swift? I don't know, a long time into Swift. Um, and Apple have been pretty clear last week of saying, "Yep, it's if you're starting an app today, Swift UI and Swift. Don't even think about anything else." Right. So then that leads me to my last question or last thought-provoking thing for the, you know, <laughs> which will then be followed by it's like, okay, time to bring this to an end. But it's something to think about over the long run, you know. Knowing that, does that change anything about how you see the next six months or a year of money? Well, I mean, is I know that you've said that you know that the original plan was okay. We're acquiring a piece of software. We're you know acquiring a, a surprisingly loyal user base. Can we monetize? Can we do something to give to to, to our existing user base enough that they'll keep buying while we kind of figure out what's next? And it sounds to me like, you know, given the complexity of a, of the code base and, and how obviously deeply connected it is to AppKit and the patterns that existed in, in, in the time, you know, it, it, have you guys ever thought about saying, you know, we're never going to be able to do anything with this, but we like the space, we like the problem, we like the challenge. Maybe what we do with MoneyWell is we take advantage of the fact that we do have an installed base, we do have a lot of domain knowledge from having had to support them and try and imagine something almost entirely new um, and, and build, uh, build something from scratch. I, I you know, I, I'm, where are you at now? I think, uh, well, as you remember, we spent, when we when we first acquired MoneyWell, one of the reasons we had taken so long to do what we've done is we spent almost two years trying to write it from scratch again right. and then realized we, 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 we were probably not even halfway right. um, because don't forget we were doing this alongside consulting as we right. hadn't spent two years like solid full time so you know it, it, as much as it is tempting to say yeah oh, really this is too hard let's go write it from scratch again we've hopefully learned our lesson from that and it's in there however we still are pretty um, pretty struggling with the uh, with the how do we build something in uh, to what we have now one of the thoughts that we're having, and this is just a thought, and we've not agreed on this fully yet, and it's somewhere, is is possibly one of the ways forward is to um, actually begin to develop a MoneyWell iPad app, mm. um, which can use exactly the same data structures internally, even though they're not perfect uh, right now. So syncing and, and everything will work with the current Mac app and whatever else. But if, if we were to introduce over the next, you know, six months, 12 months, a new iPad app, you know, it doesn't have to be feature complete. It can be, it could start off as just a, a reader that just reads the data, you know, from the Mac app. And so you can see it on your iPad, but it would give us a chance to maybe develop all those data layers, develop the UI infrastructure to begin to use Swift UI to experiment on stuff and be able to release something 
without it being like feature complete. But with the new sort of Swift UI on every platform approach, the view of as we built that app, that eventually, you know, but, you know, keep it in mind, and I'm not saying we have an iPad app that then just runs on the Mac using Catalyst or whatever. Um, you know, I'm saying we probably would do a proper cross-platform app where everything, you know, you did built to different targets. But that would give us the opportunity to begin to experiment with some of this new UI, work out new ways of doing things without buggering up the current app, without having to make everything fit together, um, while still taking us on the journey that eventually the code that is in this app, you know, that might be three years' time, four years' time, uh, because the, we have now got the app to a point that it is sellable and stable and usable, that eventually the iPad app or the core of the kind of device app will become the core of the app full stop and take us forward from there. Well, I have one last bit of, of free advice there then, because that sounds like a, a reasonable plan, especially given all the charting, you know, the, the stuff that, that is new um, from DubDub, is that there is this fundamental issue is that, in the end, if you, unless you're paying cash for everything, all transactions, if you can get to them, will will tell the actual story, which can be very different from the story that people develop in, in their minds about where their money goes. And to me, that seems like something really valuable. Like every, you know, bank and credit card company tends to have like these year-end reports and they'll show you with a pie chart you're spending this much on, on, on gas and automotive or travel. But, you know, in, in the end... Tons and tons of of expenses. How do you really distinguish between you know money that's spent at a Starbucks versus at a, a local grocery store? I mean, they they may not necessarily know that that this particular vendor, for lack of you know that that the, the who who you're transacting with, what it is and what it's for, and what how you think about it. And it sounds to me that that you could probably make a really great app that says. We're going we're gonna to help you reconcile in your mind the reality of your spending versus what you might imagine. And that's a very useful function under any circumstances. Like, and that is the whole point of Moneywell in the first place. That's right. what Moneywell's there to do. Right. Uh, we just don't achieve it very well at the moment. <laughs> right. Exactly. But that seems to be the path. It's just like completely rethinking about yeah. it, and especially in the ideas like, you know, take the core of the concept and take a lot of the learnings and as much of the code as you possibly can. But that's really the, the, the core of it. Mm. And, and, and I think it, it succeeds or fails not, you know, not based on the, on the quality of the code that's written. I mean, that's, but, but on the, on, on uh, probably there are some technical hooks onto it about, about, and maybe even using machine learning, because I think that's the tricky thing that I don't see being done well in any app that I've used. You know, Mint was the thing I think that came closest, and I, I don't know whether that even exists anymore, but something that basically says that if you, it's kind of like a photos tagging problems. Like when you do face detection, there's a little bit of uncertainty. Then it asks you to be able to say, is this Jim Bob or not? And if once you know a couple times, yes, that's Jim Bob, then then it becomes a whole lot better. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like, you know, here's a bunch of transactions. We're not certain in what bucket it might fall. Can you tell us about it? In which case, then you can train a model or maybe you don't you need to necessarily train a model. But when there's ambiguity as to which bucket something would fill in, then they say, OK, great. When the transaction, when the vendor is X, that means it's in this bucket and that changes your whole perception of it. And to me, that I, I would happily pay money for that to be able to have something that gives me a better idea of, of, of that difference. And that, to me, almost sounds like a really fascinating problem to, to work, work on. And... 
you know, you said something at the, at the beginning, you said that it only works with some American banking system, which you're kind of stuck with because that's where your clients are. And I, I don't know whether something similar exists in, in Europe or, or, you know, the, the island of, of, of Boris Johnson versus the, the EU. Um, but if you can make it work with with other countries' mechanisms, the, the same concept would probably uh, apply. Yeah, there is a banking stuff there, but this is the reason most money, uh, most apps are going subscription. You developers have to pay a subscription to use it. Therefore, mm. there's a per user cost, uh, and 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 that's fine. That's the way everything's going to have to go in this. But that's yeah, that's probably a story for another day, really. In there. All right. Well, speaking of other days, then this might be a good time to bring this boat home because oh my gosh, we got so engaged. We went five minutes over the usual drivel time. Um, I know. So whoever got allocated today's episode must be thinking, what did they do wrong <laughs> <laughs> to get extra content? And there we are. Extra but punishment. John, if people want, if people want to um, uh, comment on your uh, on your dribble, um, or yeah, or, or or send you some Kleenex, where should they do that? Oh my God! Well, they can do that on the internet, <laughs> where where all comments on Kleenex and dribble and the and the the, the thoughts of powerful. Mil- powerful but oftentimes ill-informed men uh, and that's twitter where you'll find me as jembe that's d-j-e-m-b-e like the west african drum and scotty if people want to give you more invaluable free advice where might they do that oh uh, the place where you get all valuable advice which is also twitter uh, <laughs> where you can find me as mac devnet <laughs> Well, John, we've, uh, we've we've sort of just scratched the surface of a few things there that I'm sure we're going to dig into over the next few weeks and um, you know, put it alongside some of the new technologies that are going to help with some of this stuff. You know, I'm, I'm quite keen to look at Swift UI charts and all this sort of stuff and talk about those. So um, hopefully we'll have something to talk about over the coming weeks and um, you know, Barky the Failure Dog can be happy about our content. That would be good. That's my goal in life. Right, so uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And whoever you are this week, apology for the extra content. Uh, But thanks for listening, and until next time. You take care. Thank you.